Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey. We created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we sit down with Sadie Lincoln, the co-founder and CEO of Bar3, a fitness company focused on teaching people to be balanced in body and empowered from within. Starting in 2008 with a flagship studio in Portland, Oregon, Bar3 has grown to include more than 160 franchise studios powered by female entrepreneurs, plus an online workout streaming subscriber base in over 98 countries. What started as a workout has blossomed into a full-blown movement made up of millions of people focused on body positivity, feeling empowered, and redefining what success in fitness means. Sadie Lincoln built Bar 3 to be a community built on combining exercise with mindfulness and inclusivity to create positive changes inside and out. Their digital studio also has expanded with over 250 classes. Sadie shares her personal journey, her commitment to body positivity, and we have an incredible discussion on inclusive fitness and honoring your own body. It is a beautiful and inspiring conversation, and we appreciate Sadie for sharing her story with us today. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle aluminum-free baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with those red itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. 
Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee. And even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout. And there's also a direct link in our show notes. So welcome, Sadie. Thank you so much for being here today. We are very excited to have this conversation with you. So to get things started, can you share your personal journey in wellness and how it led to what you do and founding this incredible fitness company? Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm equally very happy to be talking to both of you because I think we have a lot of shared um, experiences. And the more I've been in the industry for 30 years now, and I can't even believe I'm saying that, <laughs> but the more, the longer I'm in it, the longer I realize how common we, so many of us are, especially women growing up in fitness, um, and our experiences. Um, so your question is about my personal experience in wellness, just, and how it got me to bar three. Yeah. Your journey. From yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, in a nutshell, uh, I've, I've started, uh, teaching group exercise when I was at UCLA, I wandered into the John Wooden center and discovered group exercise, loved it. I ended up helping run the fitness instructor training program there and then moved on, got my graduate assistantship at the William and Mary college of William and Mary, where I ran their fitness and wellness programming. And right out of grad school, I landed a job with 24 hour fitness and for 10 years helped grow the company from 24 gems to over 430 globally. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I landed in fitness as a career and it was in alignment with what I enjoyed doing as well, because I loved moving and as a celebration of my body and being in group and being with other women and to music. And it was just, you know, wonderful. Um, But ironically, most of the vast majority of those years that I spent teaching and growing fitness, I was really dissatisfied in my own body. Mm. Um, And I struggled with um, self-esteem and my own health and well-being. I had chronic pain in my body that I ignored. Um, And I was fascinated by the statistics that as the fitness industry was booming and I was a part of it, right? A part of this tremendous success. And to this day, it's a $32 billion industry. And when you add in 
uh, wellness and mindfulness, it's for over $4 trillion industry. And it's been like upper right-hand growth since 1980. In sharp contrast to that is our health and well-being mm-hmm. is on the decline. Since 1980, global obesity has doubled. Uh, things like lifestyle illnesses, such as like diabetes too, are on the rise. More concerning almost, I mean, it's all concerning, but most concerning and interesting to me is anxiety, depression, loneliness, and body image issues. Mm-hmm. 91% of women in North America struggle with body dissatisfaction. We're not happy in our bodies. Wow. Horrible. And so we're not alone. Like, I think we all feel alone. Like I felt so alone in those moments. Like, Oh, why am I struggling? I'm doing all the things like they say for me to do, but I'm struggling. But that internal struggle is what led me to create, um, start bar three. And now we are creating it. It's truly a movement of people exercising to be alive and present in our bodies as they are. Mm. And that that's why the vast majority of us struggle with fitness. Um, it's that we're working out to be something other than we are and an imagined ideal in the future. And that's certainly what I was doing for so many years. I wanted to do fitness, to be winning, to achieve, to be successful, to be ripped, you know, whatever it was, um, to be something else that I, you know, um, so that's what led me to this moment. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, something that you just tapped on, which is to, be as you are to, you know, feel great as you are to, to practice fitness as you are. I think that's a concept as much as like, there has been a movement to really, um, address some of the like body image, like the foundation of, of body image issues, whether it's like diet culture or, or there's been, there have been a lot of sort of like counter movements towards that in the more recent years. And I only think those conversations are becoming more and more common. Um, But I actually, and maybe it's not, maybe it's because I'm not really in the fitness world, but I've actually never heard any fitness professional articulate the idea of moving your body, but like as you are, not to change it in any way and not to like strive for something that's like other than yourself. I've never heard it articulated that way before. And that's really empowering because I think oftentimes there's this idea that like, I'm going to go work out to get X, Y, Z, even if it's to get stronger, right? Like, and, and Mm -hmm. that's great. That's some oftentimes a result where it can help with something like chronic pain or things like that, or help give you higher energy levels. It's not always just for, um, a different looking body. But right. but at the same time the idea of not not always needing to be like results oriented within the context of fitness it's small but it feels incredibly revolutionary to look at it that, that way. I've studied this for 30 years. I've and how I study it I I observe humans and I'm so curious about behavior. And what I know to be true with every cell in my body. I know this to be true. The reason the vast majority of us struggle with fitness is not that fitness is broken or wrong. It works. Like it's good to have strong bones. It's good to have a healthy heart. It's good to have, you know, all the benefits that we know fitness does like results aren't bad. Right. But 
that's not what's broken. What's broken is our relationship to fitness. Mm. Our personal connection with fitness is broken because A, we anchor it to pain because we've mm. been conditioned to think that exercise, like no pain, no gain. Yeah. I think it's like 51% of people with injury attributed it to their exercise. So they're exercising in a way that, that hurts. So now we have an anchor to exercise equals hurting. Um, but even more fascinating to me is this idea that we, this notion that we exercise to get to somewhere in the future and mm-hmm. the future is imagined. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. We don't, when you exercise to the future, you become disassociated with your body and the celebration of moving. Yeah. So the idea of strong, let's just start there. Like, I totally agree with you. Like, it's so important to get strong, but what if we exercise as a practice of noticing how your body feels when you lift a weight and how mm-hmm. that is strength in the moment? Mm-hmm. Or observing compassionately, wow, I don't feel strong today. Mm-hmm. And then being honest in that moment, what is that? How can I take my body to a stronger place? Right. Yeah. That's a practice of being strong versus a practice of getting there. Right. And that shift when we practice moving to be compassionate, authentic, and honest in our bodies as they are, when we do that, we fitness and exercise becomes a part of who we are. Mm-hmm. And then you want to do it all the time. Like it's just becomes yeah. who you are. That's wonderful. I mean, yeah. that's so like, that's such an empowering idea that I, and listen, we've, we interview, <laughs> we interview professionals in all aspects of the wellness, like top professionals as yourself in all aspects of like the wellness space. And I've never heard it articulated the way you just did. And it is so, it's so beautiful and so empowering. And even myself with my, my own journey, I can relate a little bit because I, you know, I do have a 50 pound weight loss and self-love journey, but prior to the beginning of that, I would go to my local gym and I'd exercise really hard for a couple of weeks. And then I would stop because it wasn't right. Like, it's so interesting to hear you talk about this, right? Cause it was like my weight loss journey is very much a self-love journey. Fitness for me changed when I finally found that workout that I loved and just brought me joy. And it was a very present experience. I've just never thought of it in that way that in those moments I was just so present and how much I loved what my body was able to do. And so it is so beautiful to talk like this. And I'm sure some of our listeners might be having like aha moments of, oh, that's when I started liking fitness was when I started moving my body this way. Or maybe some other people are listening too. And they're like, how do we even do that? Right? So how did you then, right? Create this in your studio? Because I'm sure, right? Everybody is still coming in and I'm sure everyone is still now coming into classes from all different realms of life and experience, right? Maybe someone is coming in where they, they don't love their body, right? Or they're in that low self-esteem. So how did you create that in your classes? Well, again, 91% of us don't truly love our bodies. No. That's an alarming statistic. It's not okay. It, it's, it's outrageous, right? No. Especially mm-hmm. women. And all of what we're talking about is learned. So mm-hmm. we, you don't, we're not born into the world not loving our bodies we learn to not love them because of the conditioning out in the world that tells us every day so loud 
what achieving looks like, what success looks like, what belonging looks like. Like we all want to belong. Like that's at the core of who we are, right? So when you come into a bar three class, every single instructor and all of our owners were all women run and owned and operated. Um, we have 172 studios now, all uh, 1500 instructors trained. We all, what we train on even more than body mechanics, even though obviously we do sequencing and cueing and body mechanics and all that to balance the body. What we train on is how do we use cues and language around unlearning Mm. that we aren't enough. (laughs) And one very specific way we do that that you you can really understand and kind of wrap your hands around because a lot of this is psychology, but this is like something you can actually practice is the idea of modifications. Mm. When you modify, so let's just say you get down in plank pose. Okay. And you're in plank pose because everybody in the room is in plank pose and you've been told that plank is hard. So plank will work. So I need to do plank, right? Because I want to get in shape quick because we're all high performers. So you're in plank and your shoulder is just on fire at the joint where you don't want, you know, that's not doing you any good. And your neck is really tight and tense. In that moment, if you shift down to your knees or maybe stand up at the ballet bar or a counter now that we're at home and you make that choice for your body um, and you find a deep, good muscle burn in a way that doesn't trigger negative pain in the body, you're not just modifying, you are practicing literally and figuratively standing up for yourself and what your body needs in that moment versus that attachment to the ideal or what or copying what everybody else does and that in itself is a practice of being alive and honest and present in your body and we whenever we see anybody modify in class we we affirm it like mm-hmm. way wow to way to move your practice forward way mm-hmm. to honor what you need in the moment you know um and you, that's actually how we use the ballet bar. We don't use it in a traditional bar way. We use it more as a prop for modifications, for example. Um, so yeah, there, I think going in with that intention of today when I exercise, I'm going to take a moment to really ask myself, what do I need right now? And for the next 60 minutes, I'm going to let this instructor guide me because she's, she, he, they is the expert, but I'm going to honor what my body needs first and foremost. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that idea of that, like, we can also trust ourselves with making choices for our bodies is a huge thing that I think we're also conditioned to become disconnected from. And that, that plays out in many different areas, um, including fitness, as you're speaking about. I'm curious to back up just a little bit. I want to know that how you were saying that you were in this place where you were feeling dissatisfied with your body. And then we sort of went into, about this method that you've created and this sort of psychology and set of language tools around the training with bar three. But what was that little transition period for you like from going and growing other fitness companies to then branching out, becoming an entrepreneur, starting your own, and then knowing that you wanted it to be this kind of environment and to develop this kind of training for it? I had a moment when I was pregnant with my first child. I was still at um, 24 Hour Fitness and mad respect for that company, by the way, and the founder and CEO. Um, Learned so much there and I'm so grateful for it. 
Um, but I had this moment, I was pregnant with my first child and it was the first time in years I was happy in my body because I was delighted by it every day that I was so in my body because it was changing for such a positive reason. And I started to practice my workouts at home because when, even when I would go into yoga or other, I didn't feel really confident adjusting postures to what I needed in that moment. And I did have this, I started to move more intuitively, but still in a challenging way because I wanted to get that good deep burn and the endorphin high, but it was super intuitive based on what me and my baby needed in the moment. And I just had this voice that came to me that said, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not failing fitness. Maybe fitness is failing me. And I am not alone. Wow. If I am feeling this way, millions of other women are feeling this way. Mm -hmm. And I was so clear in that moment that I was going to start something on my own, like crystal clear. It was so clear to me. And I knew how to scale. And my husband was really intrigued. And then we started to talk about all our favorite boutique concepts. And, you know, that, but that really was the catalyst for bar three. Um, and the symbol, the, the number three is what we wanted to name the company, but we couldn't trademark it. <laughs> so we're like bar three. Um, so, uh, three is a symbol of balance. And for me in that moment, it wasn't about becoming balanced. It wasn't like being the perfect, like pregnant woman. Believe me, I was far from it, but it was more about like compassionately recognizing imbalances mm. in my body and life. And then, and then with intention, working towards a more balanced state, mm. but authentically, you know, it's the recognition of imbalance with compassion, where life changes, where your body can change. Um, and then, and then trusting that voice and then finding teachers around you to help you get to a balanced state. Um, and that's what guides us at bar three. That's, that's the, the North star that will never change at bar three. And can you tell us a little bit about how you developed um, and knew that you wanted to be a bar-based like fitness? Yeah. Gosh, I just loved bar workouts. Um, They, for me, they were missing some key elements though. Mm. Number one was uh, balance. Um, when it comes to the physique, um, we, there are so many imbalances in our body from sitting so much. And a lot of bar back then was very much about forward flexion, which Mm -hmm. we sit all day. And so I wanted to bring the body into a neutral posture. There was a lot of tucking in the pelvis, like tuck, tuck, tuck. Like that's a very common bar thing. You'll never hear us say that bar three, because we're all, we're in neutral spine because that's where the body is at its greatest point and strongest point is in balance. Um, so there was that, there's kind of the physical side that I wanted to shift. I loved the grace of the ballet bar, the sophistication of it. I love that it wraps around the room in a circle. So I I grew up sitting in circle with like a bunch of rad women that kind of helped raise me. And I believe in women shoulder to shoulder in circle supporting each other is so healthy and good for you. And if you think about it, when you're at the ballet bar, you're facing the bar. So you have this sense of like, being autonomous, but you're shoulder to shoulder with people in a circle, mm-hmm. kind of witnessing you practice something really beautiful. And I just love that idea of, and then that you can modify all kinds of yoga moves on it. Cause I'm a yogi at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of bar programs don't 
don't incorporate yoga like we do. Like we do a whole like sun salutation basically at the ballet bar for people mm-hmm. with wrist and shoulder issues. Oh, nice. Um, so lots of reasons. I love music. I love a good downbeat. Uh, the efficiency of it, the isometric holds, the small range of movement, super good on the joints. Um, yeah, it all just kind of came together. I love it. And I, I just think listening to you talk, it's almost like spiritual fitness, right? Like it feels a little like a, like, because like you're saying 91% of people don't love their bodies. And so it's almost like this spiritual radical act to decide and work to transform that thought process. So I'm curious too, how did you work through it yourself? Like you mentioned, right? Like your, your pregnancy was, um, a vital moment for you as well, but is it something that you continue to work through? Um, and how did it begin? I'm sure all of us, like even myself listening to you today, I've come so far, but I just listening to you talk, I did an at-home fitness class this morning and I didn't modify, even though something was hurting me. And I didn't realize how un, um, aligned that is, you know, until this conversation just now. And I vow to never do that again to myself, you know, from this conversation. But so I'm just curious, is yeah. it an ongoing process or how did it begin? And, and where are you now today? Great question. It is truly a practice. Mm-hmm. It is not about getting there. And I love your vow. And I will say you live in the same world I live in. So remember every day we walk out the door and we're told something else. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but we know better. Yeah. And so the vow is rem- just to remember. It's a practice of remembering yeah. with compassion. Right. I just posted something on my stories the other day of me not modifying. You can hear Jordan, our, one of our awesome instructors in the background inviting me over and over to modify. And I had 12 pound weights on in plank and I was doing this thing where you, well, no one can see me because of the podcast, but you, I was lifting my arms one at a time and, and my kids were photographing me and my hips were swaying all over the place. I was so bad on my shoulder and I was so stubborn. Like mm-hmm. I would not modify. And I posted it as an example of me. And I kind of was joking. Like I, you know, this is me obviously ignoring her generous invitation to modify. Um, and, but it's good to laugh at ourselves around it and then, and then just go back at it. You know, whatever it is we practice, we become, what are we practicing? What are we becoming? When we exercise, we can practice becoming honest and joyful and, um, you know, authentic in our bodies. Like, but it really, it really truly is a practice. Wow. And I, and I struggle with it big Mm -hmm. time. Like also on a, um, like personal note as a woman in front of the camera aging and um, in fitness, you know, I'll preach the words like, oh, we're empowered from within. We're all about body positivity. And I'm teaching myself that like, there's no accident that I created this company. I'm trying to heal myself, right? Because I'm super aware of my body. And, and, and then, but then I have these moments of just remembering like, it's not in service to myself to beat myself up about what you're seeing on the outside because my worth in the world is in my words and my wisdom and my ability to connect and give and, you know, share and um, help other people know they belong. You know, my, my worth in the world is not that 
I've got saggy underarms. I mean, who the heck cares? Yeah. Like, you know, so, or wrinkles and gray hair and all the things. Um, but I, yeah, so it's definitely a practice. You mentioned, um, and I know this is a part of the bar three sort of world, but, um, inclusivity and body positivity in the community. And I think especially as a boutique style fitness, um, company, sometimes that's not, I mean, that's not an aspect of like what people experience in boutique fitness, especially not in Los Angeles, (laughs) not all the time. I do think it's improving, but, um, as you were saying, like about women in circle and in a group, setting. How do you create that environment? I know through, you know, really affirmative uh, trainers and that type of thing, but if 91% of us are walking into a boutique fitness situation, feeling dissatisfied with our body, and oftentimes that comes with judgment of self, judgment of others, how do you create the environment being in group with other people and, and giving that, like making that space, how you want it to be inclusive and body positive. How do you set this, the tone for that? Yeah, there's lots of layers to that question because when you're, when we're talking about inclusivity, um, it's lonely to be the only. Mm -hmm. So if you walk into a boutique studio, you are the only person of color. Mm -hmm. You are the only person over 50 years old. Um, you are the only person not in head to toe Lululemon. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the times we, it's imagine things. I'm yeah. the only one here that's suffering from depression. Right. Yeah. I'm the only one that has the baby blues. I'm the, you know, right. I'm the only one that has a beer belly. I don't know, whatever it is, you know. Um, it's lonely to be the only. And so loneliness is an illness. You know, studies have shown um, it is as much a predictor of our longevity as smoking is. Yeah. And we believe that relationships matter more than exercise at bar three. We mm-hmm. spend just as much time in our conversations and in our training and in our design of the product in the lobby as we do as in the studio room. Mm-hmm. We have childcare in most of our studios. Um, we need to do a better job when it comes to racial diversity, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. This has been my big lesson during COVID and it's mm-hmm. such a gift. Um, we've hired EDI consultant and we've had some rich conversations and learning within our organization. Wellness is predominantly white affluent women. Yeah. And that's not healthy. No, that's not healthy. It's not healthy for anybody. Right. And so, you know, I don't have the answers, but I'm really curious. And what I am learning and what I know to be true is that we need more leaders in fitness and wellness representing a dip of, of more variety mm-hmm. of people. Because when you see yourself in your instructor, then you belong, right? There's this, that's this wonderful trust that happens with your instructor Um, And sense of belonging, especially if he, she, they are really compassionate and open-minded and care about these things. So that's, that's a big area of growth for bar three and something we're deeply committed to and working on, you know, real time. 
Yeah. It's something Allie and I are really passionate about, like community wellness, right? Like yeah. community isn't well, we don't have real wellness, right? So wellness has to be for everyone. Um, yeah. and we have to be a well society in order for anyone to really experience true wellness is something we deeply um, believe in. And I think that's, it's something that's interesting though about um, the pandemic. I think one gift is it might be less scary to try a fitness class that you might not have tried before, or you can find, right? People who look like you um, and take their class, right? Like it's almost um, easier in that way. It's like one of the gifts, if we look to see it that way, is I almost feel like at-home fitness can be um, more inclusive in certain ways, but at the same time, you do miss that element of community. And so how do you cultivate, right, in this climate where, you know, depending on where you live in this country, I'm sure some people are working out in person or going to studios, other people are choosing to stay at home and do their fitness there. So how do you create that community when we're at home? Yeah, it's a great question. And I do, I just want to underline the fact that at home, we're talking about whatever it is you practice, you become, we are all literally practicing being at home in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Like we're in our homes and we're in our bodies. And that is a practice of um, being empowered. Mm-hmm. And it is more accessible and it's, it, there's the access issue too. It's, it's yeah. less expensive, you know, there's complete access now. And I love that, you know, that's, it's a huge win. Um, we have, our digital business has, has grown hundred percent year over year because of mm-hmm. COVID and it's wonderful. And we are building community through it. And we do, we are, we do have diverse instructors teaching and um, we're able to really move quickly with digital, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to innovation and uh, analytics, listening to clients and what they need and adjusting so that, you know, we're meeting people right where they are. Um, those are all, all real positives. Um, in terms of community, what has been one of the most delightful parts of COVID, ironically for me, is to watch um, we franchise. So we're all owned and operated. Um, and they're all run by women and we're meaning owner operated, meaning some franchises you can franchise, but just hire a manager and run it. Mm-hmm. When you franchise with bar three, you run your studio. Mm-hmm. So you're actually like, you know, front and center part of that community and building emotional connections with your community. And because of that connection, when people's, when our owners had to shut their studios, which we're all basically shut, we have we have modified classes, but even if you have a modified class, you can have like a half of the normal people mm-hmm. in your class than you're used to. So it doesn't financially pay off. Mm-hmm. So we're also doing live stream classes. Mm-hmm. And what we figured out is they're just doing Zoom live stream classes. And I mean, it's Brady Bunch style. You know, you can see everybody working out and it's this sense of connection and community and we're all in it together. And just simple things like the instructor getting up into the camera and calling people out while they're, while they're doing their modifications or, you know, the before and after the chat, the chat box afterwards. Um, I feel like that's been a huge innovation for us. It's totally lo-fi. It's not like in a beautiful production studio, but um, our clients in our studios are preferring those live stream classes because of the connection and community 
over our highly produced, beautiful online stream workouts, which we've had since 2012. So um, I do think it's possible, but it needs to be authentic. I mean, you can't make up community, you know? I have one more to like question about fitness and everything that we're talking about, right? Because um, it's so interesting because Ali and I have dived deeper into like diet culture and anti-diet culture and healthy at every size and, and everything. And something I keep asking myself too, and I'd love to know your opinion on this as well, is because, right, we're talking about 91% of people um, don't like their bodies. And, and I agree. I think there was an article in Time Magazine about how loneliness is an epidemic, like raging our culture. And I think a lot of people sometimes attach their body image to their mental, right? Like if I was this, then I wouldn't be lonely or then I'd have more whatever. And so is there a way, because like we talked about in the beginning, right? Like there are so many benefits to health and um, there are so many benefits to health for our heart, chronic illness, you know, all of this stuff. But is there a way we can want to change our body and still love ourselves as we are, right? Like how do we connect those two, right? With like, I have fitness goals or I have body image goals, but how do I still love myself as I am? Like how do we morph those two at this time? I can't think of any greater gift Mm -hmm. than changing, it is about change, our personal relationship with ourselves mm. and our bodies. Yeah. What if our intention was, I'm going to practice exercising to understand and be compassionate with my body as it is, which is the ultimate act of self-love. Mm-hmm. It's not loving your body because honest, that sometimes that doesn't feel right or real, mm-hmm. but compassionately observing, wow, I'm really beating myself up today. What can mm-hmm. I do? What does my body need right now? If I just close my eyes and I take away all the pressures and all the expectations, like what do I actually need? And like you lean into that, there is no greater sign of love and respect than giving yourself undivided attention yeah. and focus just like you would a child mm-hmm. you know, or your best friend or your mother or someone you care for, you know, like I, I went to this one retreat uh, with Hillary McBride, who's just a wonderful author, and she talks a lot about um, embodiment and self-love. And she had us write a letter to ourselves as if, to our bodies, as if she was, and she said, use your pronoun, like mine was she, um, as if she was my very best friend mm-hmm. and my deepest, closest, or like your lover, like someone you just love so much. And apologize for things you've done, you know? So Mm -hmm. I sat there and I I wrote her a letter. I said, thank you so much for being so patient with me for all those years I ignored you and the pain that you were feeling. And thank you for being resilient when I beat you up, you know, and I, you know, I didn't eat enough or exercise too much or I, you know, this, that, and thank you so much for being patient and still being here with me, you know? And she sent those letters and I got it a month later. It was the most like, cathartic experience to read that letter because I forgot I wrote it. Yeah. And then to read it again. But that's change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's okay to change. And it's, of course, you want to rock it and feel good and be sexy and achieving and winning in the world. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're high performers, for goodness sakes. Um, But I can tell you emphatically, it doesn't work for that to be your motivation to exercise. If that's your motivation to exercise, it will fail you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So let's not keep going down that spiral because we know by data that that doesn't work. Right. I think that's like, that's the disconnect right there that we like sort of started with. That makes sense. Um, Well, thank you for sharing all of this. It's actually given me a lot to think about, even in my own relationship with exercise. Um, Yeah. Even like I I say like my past life, you know, the last 10 years I've actually been up until we started Courageous Wellness and um, I've been a performer, mostly in musical theater, and I've traveled the world and I've had really intense bouts of like physical output. And so it's really helped, this conversation today has really helped me reflect on my own relationship with movement and and pushing myself sometimes in ways that was not kind to me. And then also the opposite of that, where it's like, do I sometimes feel resentful to move as well? You know, like those, those different layers of um, sort of like extremes that I'm trying to actually like break through. So I really, I'm really grateful on a personal level for this conversation today too. And I think you've given us a lot to think about and our listeners a lot to think about. And, um, and as we start to wrap up, we ask our guests uh, three questions. So I'm going to start with the first. Um, as a busy woman, as a CEO, entrepreneur, um, what does your self-care look like on a daily basis? And, and do you have any non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. Yeah, consistently on a daily basis. Um, something I do every morning um, when I wake up, and this is partly how I grew up too, so it's like programmed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really good at remembering my dreams. And so I will lie in bed and reflect on whatever I was just dreaming. And I really think that our dreams are signals from our unconscious and you can learn so much from your dreams. Mm. And so that's one thing I do every morning. And it's also a little bit of a meditation. Um, The second non-negotiable for me is to get outside every single day and go on a walk every day, rain or shine. And I live in Portland where it rains a lot. Um, and I had two rescue pups and it's not about how long we go, how high my heart rate is up. Um, it's just truly about being outside and, um, unplugging and being in nature just that little bit. Um, that's, that's huge, huge, huge for me. Hmm. Those are the two, two things I do consistently every single day. Thank you for sharing those. The next question we ask all of our guests is, what does being courageous mean to you? Courageous for me, for sure, is when I have that, when I listen to that resounding kind of yes inside of me, my gut instinct or a message that I hear from within myself that no one else can see. And then I align my action to that, whatever that is. I actually show up congruent to what that voice is saying. That is the most courageous act, especially when it's 
counter to what other people are saying I should do, or maybe what the expectation is of me. Thank you. And then the last one is, do you have a book recommendation for our listeners um, that can be on anything, something that's just meant something to you through your journey? Gosh, so many good ones. Um, I just finished last night, Alicia, Alicia Key's memoir. Oh yeah. And I loved it. Talk about resounding. Yes. Her, the entire thing, the theme for her conversation with us around her journey as an incredible artist is about listening to her, her inner voice Mm. and, and um, showing up that way, even when, you know, again, the world is telling her otherwise, and it's obviously served her really well. (laughs) Yeah. So it's super inspiring. She's an amazing, amazing um, woman. Yeah. So that that would be my recommendation. Thanks. Thank you. That's a fun one too. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us today. So if anyone wants to find you, work out with you, find the studio, where can they find all of that on the internet? bar3.com, B-A-R-R-E-3.com is where you can get our online workouts and our live stream classes in all of our studios. And a lot of them are open now, which is exciting. Uh, Instagram, the regular, you know, places, uh, my Instagram, Sadie Lincoln, and then bar3's Instagram's a fun one too for daily inspiration. Thank you so much, Sadie. We really appreciate you. You're so welcome. Thanks for the work you're doing in the world. It's pretty awesome. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.